Yesterday, while I was at work, I decided that I was going to make Mongolian beef. I have never been a domesticated woman. My mother will be the first person to tell you that I never had a clean room. My room was always messy. My car to this day, unfortunately, is messy. And I've never been a cook. Um, I've never been able to really cook anything besides like an egg if I was forced to. I don't want you to think that my parents didn't raise me right. My mother has always been a clean freak. She's always been someone to be like very, very clean and neat. And I feel like me not cleaning was just a way for me to rebel against her. Sorry, mom, I love you. I'm older and wiser now. Well, now I'm married. I have been married for three years to my wonderful husband, Aaron Arceo. We own a home together. And as much as I'd love to be like an independent working woman, I have to tell you guys, I'm sorry, but the domesticated homemaker spirit has finally struck me. About two years into our marriage, I finally got the desire to start cooking and cleaning. And I am by far not the best cook. Um, I am for sure an exact recipe girl. I can't just throw some things together and come up with a meal. I need an exact recipe and I need to go to the market before. But I got a couple meals under my belt. But by far, me and my husband's favorite meal that I make is Mongolian beef. So yesterday... I decided that I was going to make Mongolian beef and I got an insane idea. I decided to call my mother-in-law and invite her and my father-in-law over for dinner um, because I was really proud of this dish and I was like, I should make this for them and just show off my skills, which in hindsight is so dumb. My mother-in-law is the best cook ever. Of course, her and my mother. I should not have done this, but I did. I was feeling really confident. I love having guests over my house. So right when I got home, I started preparing my home for guests. I cleaned the restroom, the countertops, watered the plants. I lit the candles. I mopped. I vacuumed. All the good stuff, you know. Finally, five o'clock hits and I'm going to start on dinner. But just as I'm about to start, you guys, the devil comes in. I hear a crash and then all of the lights in my house go out. Long story short, there was like some sort of explosion over there and it caused all the power to go out in my area. So I lost power and the ability to cook for my family. The bigger point of the story, though, is that I love having guests over my house. I get excited to have my family over. I love spending time with them. And because I was excited, I cleaned my house and I prepared my house and I made everything nice and pretty for them because I love them and I was excited to spend time with them. In John chapter 14, we see that Jesus shares the same excitement to spend time with us in heaven. He says so in the scripture when he says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Let's talk about it. Welcome to the Basic Bible Babe podcast. I'm your Basic Bible Babe, Brooke Ashley, and I'm not a theologian, but chances are you aren't either. But you don't have to be one to understand and fall in love with the Bible. So here, the goal is simple, to motivate each other to move past those things that stop us from reading the Bible and to become a people that understand and appreciate the Bible for what it is, incredible. So remember, the Word of God is for you and it's relevant to your life today. Let's dive in.
Welcome to my basic Bible babes and bros. I'm so happy to have you back for another podcast episode. This week was kind of hectic for me. As you heard, my power went out this week, but also that same night, um, I woke up in the middle of the night to hearing my dog go to the restroom, which is very unlike him. He went to the restroom. He had an accident. And um, I saw it, and it was bloody. And I know that's very graphic. I'm sorry. I should have given you a warning. So does that sound distressing to you? Well, if it does to you, it was extremely distressing to me. My dogs are my pride and joy. I love my dog so much. So long story short, I want to let you know at the top, he's totally fine. I'm pretty sure he has a UTI. We are getting that sorted out. But this could have caused a lot of stress and worry in my life. And today I want to discuss some biblical ways to combat worry and anxiety. It is a for sure controversial take to say that your mind is a spiritual place and mental health is for sure as much a spiritual battle as it is a physical battle. If you are a Christian and you believe in the Bible, I want to remind you that the Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That means that this battle that we are fighting here on earth is not only a physical battle, but it is much more a spiritual battle. There is a spiritual war over your mind and over your thoughts. Anxiety is as much a spiritual plague as it is a physical one. And the enemy and the world would love to have you believe that you have no control over your feelings and your thoughts. But I'm here to let you know that you do. The Bible says, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you can transform your thoughts, which the Bible says that you can, you can transform your life. So yesterday evening when I woke up to my dog being sick, I was very afraid. Um, I care about my dogs a lot. And I know a lot of people probably think that this is dumb and nobody cares, but I care about my dogs a lot. So I was afraid and I immediately picked up my phone and I started to look up all the possible causes just like any, I feel like dog mom would do. And I almost let my mind run wild with worry. But I learned a while back that if I let my mind run wild with worry, then that will lead me to anxiety. So I decided in that moment to stop say, okay, it's the middle of the night. There's nothing I can do right now. I'm going to address this problem with the Lord and with the wisdom that he has given to me. I'm not going to let this worry build up and turn into anxiety. So first I prayed for Zimmer's healing. You guys, I know that that sounds silly, but God still does miracles in the mundane. He still does very practical miracles. Jesus turned water into wine. In the Old Testament, there was a man who had lost an axe head in water. And he went up to the prophet Elisha and was like, Elisha, I really need this axe head back because I borrowed this axe head. Tell me that is not a mundane, like practical miracle that he needed. And Elisha did. He was able to raise the axe head, the heavy axe head out of, um, out of the water. And the man was able to grab his axe head. 
That is a very practical, mundane miracle. God does miracles in the mundane and in things that seem unimportant in the grand scheme of things. And I'll tell you what, today when I came home, I promised to you there was no more blood in Zimmer's pee. He had stopped peeing blood and that is a miracle. He has not had any accidents. Don't worry, I'm still treating his UTI, but I believe that Jesus has healed him. This is what he does. So we all know, go to God first. But also, last night I prayed believing that God would do it. And I also prayed for peace over my mind. After I prayed, I could have stayed up all night and continued to worry. But instead, I chose to place my worries on the Lord and choose to not think about it. I know that I have control over the things that I think. This has taken me many years of practice, years of recognizing worry and anxious thoughts and saying, Lord, I am giving this over to you. You, Lord, can have my headspace and I'm choosing not to worry about this because I trust in you. There is a biblical method of choosing to not think on things that cause worry and instead give them over to Jesus. And this method has changed my life. And so today, I just want to give you some scriptures to think on, to focus on when you are dealing with worry and anxious thoughts and prove to you that this is a spiritual war over your mind along with a physical one and things to help you practice getting rid of anxiety. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Cast all your anxiety on him is an action. It is an action that you have to take. It's not just like the Lord is automatically going to relieve you of anxiety. You have to say, I'm going to purposely cast my cares on the Lord. I'm going to choose to give him my worries and believe that he is going to handle it for me. And he is going to give me the wisdom to navigate me through these moments. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Once again, this is a command to not worry. This is something that we physically have to practice doing. Pray about it instead. Tell God what you need and believe that he is going to give you the wisdom and you can trust him with this process. Isaiah 26, 3 says, you, God, will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. If you trust in the Lord, he will give you perfect peace. That's it. Those are just a couple scriptures to help you battling um, anxiety. And just to remind you that you have control over your thoughts and the Lord has equipped you with power and authority over your thoughts and over your feelings. And if you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind, you can see relief from these things. Of course, if you need help, go to a therapist, go to whatever you need to do. But remember that this is a spiritual battle that we are fighting and the Lord wants to fight it with you and has given you tools to combat anxiety and worry. John chapter 14, this should be short. It's just a, a chapter of dialogue from Jesus. And Jesus is sharing his final moments with his disciples. And they're all pretty aware that he's about to die. They don't know how, but Jesus keeps alluding to it. 
So that would scare the heck out of me. So Jesus kind of senses their distress and he soothes them. He says, don't let your heart be troubled. Or in other words, don't worry, right? Just like we talked about. You believe in God, so you can believe in me too. You can trust what I am saying to you right now. My father has many mansions. You guys, this idea that Jesus has a mansion for me in heaven used to get me so hype. And it all spurred from this one project I had when I was a kid a teacher assigned us a project. I went to a Christian school and they assigned us a project to uh, draw what we thought our mansion in heaven was going to look like. And I took this to heart. And this was something that I did a lot. After that project, I did it a lot. And when I drew my mansion, it was so impractical, the things that I had in my mansion. I don't think I had a kitchen, but I will tell you what I did have. I had a room that was literally an amusement park. Crazy. I had a room that was a beach. So I knew that in heaven, okay, we're not going to listen to the laws of physics, okay? So I think that this was kind of like coming together, kind of like an Encanto house. You guys know Encanto, how like their rooms are like all like big when the house is kind of small. That's what I was picturing. Okay. So that was how I envisioned my room. Now, as I'm older, I, uh, I definitely get sick a lot when I get on rides. So Lord, I know you're listening to me right now. I would love to scratch the amusement park room, maybe trade it out for like a garden room, a Jane Austen pride and prejudice room. That sounds real nice. Okay, just throwing that out there. Beggars can't be choosers, but I'm throwing in my request now. Thank you, Lord. My father has many mansions. That's what Jesus says. But then we get to the scripture in our intro. Jesus says, if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. Jesus is excited to have you in heaven. The anticipation that you feel when you bring somebody into your home, he feels it, but even more. Jesus isn't in heaven kind of doing his own thing, not thinking about you. He's saying, Brooke's going to be here soon. I need to prepare her mansion. I need to make sure her Jane Austen room is ready. I need to put up plants just like she likes it. He is excited to have me. He is excited to have you into his home. But Thomas responds, Lord, we don't even know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus says to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except that they come through me. Jesus is repeating to Thomas what he has been saying throughout his whole ministry. Heaven is not a place you can walk to. You have to believe in Jesus and he will lead you there. Jesus will lead you to eternal life. Jesus is the way to eternal life. Jesus also reminds Thomas that Jesus and the Father are one. And if you have seen Jesus, you have also seen the Father. But Philip still kind of doesn't understand. I'm sure a lot of the other disciples don't understand. So he asks Jesus, can you just show us the father? That would make all this so much easier. 
And I don't know, but if I were Jesus, I would be very, very worried that they haven't gotten it by now. He's about to leave forever, and it seems like his chosen people called to spread the gospel to the four corners of the world are still not understanding. But their lack of understanding does not worry Jesus, and here is why. Because their lack of understanding is going to be helped by something very special, a promise that Jesus will talk about later on in this chapter. For now, Jesus just calmly reminds them that he is in the Father and the Father is in him. They have been following him. They have seen his mighty acts. They can trust him after everything that they have seen. And if they choose to believe in him, they can also do these works. In fact, Jesus says that they can do even greater works than the works that they have seen. And this is a promise not only to the disciples, but to the body of Christ today. If you believe in God, you can perform miracles. You can see miracles. You can lay hands on the sick in the mighty name of Jesus and see healing. You can raise the dead. You can see miracles in your everyday life. Jesus says that if you love me, you will keep my commandments. I used to struggle with sin and keeping the commands of the Lord, and I would fall into this rut where I would sin and fall deeper and deeper and deeper into sin, and I would not come to the Lord because I believed that I needed to clean myself up before I came to the Lord. But the Bible says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I like to think of this as not necessarily a warning, but a promise that we cannot do this by the strength of ourselves. And the more that we come to the Lord, the more that we learn to love him, the more of his strength that we will receive and it will be easier and easier to follow his commandments. If you struggle with sin and keeping the commands of the Lord, come to God first, even while you are unclean. Love him and allow him to help you keep his commandments. It will still be hard, but you won't be relying on your own strength and on your own willpower alone. Okay, earlier I was speaking of a promise, right? That was going to help bring understanding to his disciples and followers, you and I. Well, Jesus is finally going to talk about this promise. The scripture says, and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper. Another word for this is counselor or advocate to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be with you. And Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon them after the death of Jesus and be a counselor and an advocate and a comforter. And if they just love and follow Jesus, the Lord will manifest himself to them. The disciples asked Jesus why he would manifest himself to them and not into the world. But Jesus says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. That means that the Lord will manifest himself to the world, but only to the world who will love him, who will choose to love him. And if the disciples are not fully getting it yet, Jesus is not worried, and here's why. He once again speaks of the Holy Spirit, the promise that is coming. 
These things I have spoken to you while I'm still here with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Jesus is not worried because the Holy Spirit is about to come and live in them and teach them the ways of the Lord and bring them understanding. Holy Spirit is not only here to be a comforter, but he's here to help you to understand Jesus and to understand the word of God. If you need help understanding the word of God, invite the Holy Spirit with you. I always try to pray before I get into my word of God, because I believe that that is the only way that I'm going to be able to understand Jesus and his words. So invite the Holy Spirit into your reading time, into your praying time, and the Lord will manifest himself to you. He says he will to those who love him. Jesus says he's going to leave us with peace my camera died. You would think I never charge my camera, but I always do. It's just, I guess, not that good of a camera. Jesus says that he's going to leave us with peace. You would think that after the King of Kings leaves this earth, that there's going to be chaos and disruption. But Jesus is a good king, and he is leaving us with peace. Jesus is going to the Father, and he is letting them know so that when it happens, they will remember that he said it would be so. Jesus says, I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of the world is coming. He's talking about the devil, the enemy, but he has no claim on me, but I do as the father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the father. And that's it. That is chapter 14. The suggested reading for next week is John chapter 15 and 16. I know today was a short episode, um, but I want to thank you guys for listening. Nonetheless, please give us a follow on Instagram at the basic Bible babe, head there and send me a DM about what you would like to talk about at the top of the next episode, rate and review this podcast on Apple, rate and review this pod. Hey, Rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I love, love, love seeing when I get new reviews. So thank you guys for reviewing. Finally, I want to leave you with a reminder that Jesus loves you. He is excited to see you in heaven. He is preparing your mansion for you. And I want this to be the official invite that when you get to heaven, you are invited over to my mansion for tea in the Jane Austen room, if that's something that you're into. It'll be like a basic Bible babe meetup, like a basic Bible babe meetup in heaven. Okay, like first go meet all the other people, right? Like Paul and King David and of course Jesus, you know? But then after, like, we can get together in the Jane Austen room in my mansion and just, like, have a basic Bible babe meetup. See you guys there.